Hello and welcome to the Find Your Flow radio show podcast. I'm your host, Winston Wittes, and I'm here today with a very special episode. Today's episode is How to Find Yourself. How to Find Yourself. Whoa, is that not a deep, crazy, awesome subject to try to tackle in a single podcast episode? I think it is, and uh, it's also super fantastic to try to do that. So we're going to. We're going to give it a shot. We're going to give it our best, okay? So here we go. Let's get down to it. So finding uh, yourself, your your true self, what is it that makes you you? Is it your name? Is it your place you live place you came from, the place you're born? Is it the people you hang out with? Is it your job title? Is it your relationship? There's so many different ways that we define ourselves, generally speaking. And sometimes we might get caught up in, in that belief, in that identity that we think we are. So our ego might be saying, well, first of all, we may not recognize that our ego is not us. What does that mean? Well, we, our ego is kind of the, the chatterbox in our head. It talks. We think it's us. That's just me. Like, I don't have voices in my head. I'm not crazy. I, I think these thoughts. And these thoughts uh, think these things and, you know, they're right because they're mine. It's kind of just some general ego type stuff, right? Ego saying like, hey, friend, um, like go do this thing or I do this because I'm this or I don't do this because I'm th- this other thing. And our sense of self in many times is built on these kind of ideas, right? I am a uh, <clears throat> a teacher, so I like math. I don't know. That's a horrible example. Sorry. <clears throat> Got peanut M&M's still stuck in my throat. I should try to fully cough those out before... Uh, doing a podcast, but this is how this is life, friends. My true self says, no, I'm a doer. I'm a podcaster. I'm an entrepreneur, and I am uh, going to make this happen anyway because that's a belief system that I have, right? Does that – is that me, that belief system? Well, kind of. It It's maybe a unique quality of myself, or maybe I share that in common with other successful entrepreneurs, right? So it's a habit that I identified as uh, one that I needed to create for myself in order to achieve the same levels of success that I've seen other successful entrepreneurs achieve. And so I maybe modeled that from uh, other people that like, hey, you make it happen, you do it no matter what. I've identified that I need a podcast as part of my, or I want to podcast, I do podcasts as part of my marketing, as part of me spreading the word of flow and uh you know this flow experience for people 
And so I've developed a habit. So if you've listened to the show for a long time, you know that there was a time that I, I used to do the podcast very differently. I used to actually record it in my home studio. And <clears throat> it was um, it was fun, but it was also really challenging. Like, because the time, I could only do it after my wife had gone to sleep. And, um, you know, by then I was usually kind of tired. And so I didn't always have the... Uh, you know, the the energy left to do it, but I knew I needed to do it, and then I would kind of slack off and miss it, and then it'd be a day late, and then a week late. I Actually, I think the first year I was pretty good, pretty consistent, but it got more difficult, you know, and um, and then I had some personal stuff, and it got darn near impossible, and actually then I stopped for a, over a year. And um, when I started back up, I was like, okay, well, how do I do this? Like, man, I feel called to do it. I really want to. And yet, it's so darn challenging. My life does not make it easy for me to get into the studio. Even though it's in my own house, I can't even make the time out to do it consistently. So I needed a better way. And I heard about people who did their podcasting while on the road. And I thought that was perfect because I spend a decent amount of time on the road, unfortunately. Or fortunately. So... I I was doing it with um this microphone setup that was a total nightmare and you can hear those episodes and I apologize for the sound quality cuz it was pretty bad and uh but it, it was the only way I could get it done. And so my personality is like done is better than perfect. That's is that my personality? No. That's actually just a, another habit, another belief that I hold on to that I've developed as an entrepreneur. Hey, done is better than perfect. If I don't do this, Nobody's going to hear anything I have to say. And yeah, the sound quality might turn some people off, but some people aren't going to care or even notice. And for those people, they're going to hear the message. And uh, if it's a message that resonates with them, then gosh darn it, it was worth it, right? And that's the belief system I choose to follow and, and act on. So as we're growing, as we're open to change, we can start to self-examine our habits our activities and start to break them down and, and question them even. Hey, is this serving me? Is this who I am? Is this what I'm about? Or is this just some unconscious habit that I don't even realize I'm doing? So I had a great call today. So if you're new to the show, my day job is I'm a full-time marketing consultant, an online marketing consultant. I teach people, specifically real estate investors, how to build their online presence. Okay. So I do calls with dozens of entrepreneurs or wannapreneurs and business owners every week. Okay, They want to build a business and they most of them have day jobs. right? They have careers, they have jobs that they're trying to get out of and they're trying to build this thing for, for to be able to quit their jobs, to be able to be financially free, to be able to be their own boss, uh, leave a legacy, these kind of goals and aspirations. So I had a great call with a student who has four hours a day, you know, so I get to this part, I'm asking him, okay, well, you know, you're telling me you want to do this. Uh, last time we spoke, we, we set up this plan. Um, you know, you had these other things go on, so you didn't work the plan. That's what happens in life sometimes, right? And so it's like, okay, well, let's revisit this. How much time do you have to work on your business? And he's like, well, you know, these four hours. And it's like, great. Okay, so we've already talked about this one activity that you're going to be doing for marketing, and that's going to take five to ten minutes a day. So you still have 
let's say three hours and 45 minutes. What the heck have you been doing with those three hours and 45 minutes, five days a week? And he's like, well, you know, and he said like, I, I, I do this and this other thing and I can't even remember, right? And it's like, well, okay, that's um, that's a significant amount of time to be losing every week. If you want to get out of your job and you're your own boss, but you're also your own employee and your employee can't tell you what he's been doing for four hours a day that you're that he's on the clock, how long are you going to keep that employee working for you? You're going to fire him right away, right? Because he's not doing anything. Or if he is, you don't know what it is. You can't find how it's making you any money. And if you're in business, then the point is to make money. So he got it, you know, and uh, we laughed about it. And... um what we started to do to get more clear with it was, okay, well, let's really break this down and figure out what these habits are that you need to change in order to become the person that you want to be the one that owns a successful business, okay? So at this point, how does this relate to um, discovering your true self? How do you find out who you are and what is your true self? Well, we start to strip things away that are not our true self. Maybe we thought it was. That's the hard part. It's like, well, no, that's how I am. It's the way I operate. Well, that's the ego. It's not really you. But the ego thinks it's you. The ego is us, but not really. It's very tricky, and it sounds like double talk, I realize. But that's that's the, the whole game. That's the whole trickiness of it, is it seems... Like, it's just like, well, how can I not be me? Exactly. <laughs> how can I, if I don't do these things, am I still me? So I'll give you an example of uh, one of these I tested for myself recently. Um, so maybe two years ago, my uh, real estate license, maybe a year ago, uh, and uh, my real estate license was expiring. Okay, I've been a licensed real estate agent since 2005. And I've been... I've done it on and off throughout the years, depending on the markets and, uh, you know, what kind of cycles we're in, because there's certain markets I like to be in real estate and there's certain markets that I just kind of sell on the sidelines and wait for. It's not, not really the uh, kind of business I want to be doing at that time. And so, um, you know, I've had other projects going on, a lot of other projects, marketing and then the day job, consulting and um, whatnot. So... I wasn't in a position where I was really trying to push that side of it, right? And I wanted to keep my license active, and yet it costs money, and it costs time. Because I have to do all my trainings, I have to take these tests, I have to pay these dues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So <clears throat> I, I was thinking like, well, gosh, you know, is this something I want to keep going because my ego wants me to? Because I'm, I think that I am a licensed agent and I feel and I act as if and, uh, you know, I believe that this is part of who I am and what I do. But is this really just a, an added expense I'm keeping on because of my ego telling me that this is, you know, part of me and it feels like a loss if I don't do it? So I actually let it um, go into inactive mode, which I've never done before. And to see how it would feel. And uh, part of me was upset. It was like, gosh darn it. I worked so hard to get this thing up and running and to, you know, I did real estate full time for a while and um, 
like I said, I've done deals over the years. And uh, so it's not that I wasn't using it. I haven't used it and made money in the past. <clears throat> it's just a matter of is this who I am and, and am I doing this purely out of ego? And then anyway, to get to the – so I tested it with myself, right? And over time, I realized, no, that's that's not really it. There's a piece of that that I should be aware of for sure. And there's a, a greater part of it that is just um, the reality of what I want to do in life, what my goals and aspirations are. This directly relates to me doing a certain kind of business that I like to do that makes me good money. And uh, that's what I'm going to continue to focus on and do. And so I have. So I got my, you know, I took my test. I paid my dues. I am uh, in the middle of a transaction right now. And so um, it's all good. So are there things that you're doing because... Your ego wants you to, and it's not always easy to identify. In fact, it's sometimes very, very difficult to identify because our if we the ego when we try to change it, it it's like and 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 I think this is where meditation gets challenging too. Is like when we're trying to meditate, we're trying to quiet the mind, right? Oh, quiet the mind. And then the mind starts chattering and, and saying things and bringing things up like, oh, remember that time? Oh, we need to go do this. Oh, I got this responsibility. Oh, I'm stressed out about that. Oh, but it just starts chattering away until it hooks you with something, right? Then all of a sudden, you know, you're going down some rabbit hole mentally. Before you know it, your 20 minutes of meditation are gone and your mind was chattering the whole darn time. Well, why? What's going on? Why does the ego do that? Because that's its life. That is like a program in a sense. It's a script that runs on autopilot if unchecked. And the, the, the thing is, most of us are on autopilot most of the time. We don't realize it. We're asleep. We have the mind running. It's running all these scripts and things on autopilot that we're not even aware are running. And we don't realize that we can stop it with some practice. We can shut it up with meditation. We can shut it up with understanding flow and how to get into flow states. <clears throat> and at that point, we had the opportunity to consciously reprogram ourselves for a new habit or a new way of thinking. And by doing that, we start to change the course of our lives, literally. Literally, this is how we change our lives, right? If we're not aware of it, we're going to just keep going down that path and, you know, life's going to happen to us and we're a victim of circumstance and this and that. But if we consciously choose to watch our thoughts, and we choose what we put into our minds, then we start to consciously create our own experience, our own reality. And so discovering who we are, finding our true self, our true path, our true essence, this self-discovery path is very much about stripping away all these false beliefs about ourselves. And... Again, it's not an easy process, and it's not an overnight solution. You know, there's no magic button, magic easy button that just like does it for you. And like, oh, I found my true self. Sometimes that kind of does happen, though. I would say, I would say sometimes you have an epiphany or a realization, or you find a place and it feels like home, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been missing in my life. This is like this speaks to my soul. This speaks to my core being. And that's a pretty fantastic experience if you've never had it. So uh, some experiences like that I could share with you. Um, finding jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I've always loved re wrestling around and grappling and, you know, I, I wouldn't call it roughhousing, but probably lots of parents would. Um, 
you know, I remember growing up uh, as a little kid, wrestling with my dad, uh, my brother and I wrestling with my dad on the, the living room floor when he'd get home from work, right? He wasn't really wrestling with us. He would just kind of lay there exhausted, and we would climb all over him and, you know, like beat him up, I guess, for lack of better words. But it was fun. You know, he was enjoying it, I think. Um, and then, you know, as I got older, wrestling with other people, like other kids, like kind of roughhousing. I guess it's roughhousing. And then, you know, but then when you get old enough, so I didn't know uh, wrestling was a real thing until I got into high school. And then, or uh, junior high school, not even junior high school. Um, when we moved down from uh, Los Angeles into San Diego at the uh, junior high school and middle school um, is when I saw wrestling for the first time, like real wrestling. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. Um, I didn't do it then, but uh, it gradually kind of crept into my life. And then I wrestled a couple of years, two and a half years in high school. And it was really something I enjoyed. And uh, then when I got older, you know, um, I got interested in other things. But then as a, an adult, when we had our first son and I needed some kind of better exercise program, I needed something to keep me in shape and keep me motivated, I found it. And, uh, you know, I'd always wanted to, to do it. I was always interested, but never, like, considered actually signing up for a class and getting trained and going and doing it. And when I did, it was like, man, this is is what I need. I need to be physically physical with people and learn how to, you know, learn, get mentally stimulated, stimulated, learn technique and strategy and uh, get to challenge myself and um, be able to continually learn and improve this thing while getting good workout. And then as a byproduct, I also ended up meeting all these really cool people that were also into it and, you know, becoming friends with all these people. And so it was like I felt like I'd found a home in a sense, right? A new community and an amazing group of people and this art form that I truly love and a physical exercise program that I truly love. You know, it doesn't feel like, oh, I got to go to the gym and work out. It's like, cool, I get to go train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And it's awesome. So uh, th those kind of things that it's like maybe it's a little outside your comfort zone, but it's something you kind of have a passion for or something that you want to do. And uh, is there something holding you back from doing it? What is it? Is there, you know, what could you possibly do to work around that, right? Finding that thing that speaks to your heart and your soul, those things are probably part of your true self, right? Your highest and best version of yourself. And then there are parts of you that are maybe you're not maybe as happy with, right? I know I have parts of myself that I'm not happy with, certain behaviors, really that I, you know, have room for improvement, let's say, right? And so I try to identify those and, and figure out workarounds and new new habits that I can work on that will uh, change the ones that I don't like. Okay, so our true selves, it's there within us. If we learn to listen, if we learn to tune into it and listen to our hearts and um, and look at things that we get jealous of you know, and uh, be aware of what those things are. Now, with that, it's kind of tricky, too, I think, because it's like, oh, I see, oh, so-and-so got a new car. Oh, I love that car. Why Why do they get it? Why? Oh, I wish I had that kind of money, and I could buy that car. That's my dream car, you know? And uh, so you could say, well, Winston, how does that have to do with my true self, being jealous of a car or a physical, you know, material possession? How does that relate to my true self? And I would say, well, it's probably not the thing itself necessarily or per se. 
um, such as a new car, right? But it's the feeling you get when you're in that kind of car or the feeling you get when you would be driving it or owning it, the level of status that you would feel that you have achieved, right? The way that um, it rides, you know, maybe you just feel really good riding in a car like that or being in control of something so powerful and fast, right? You love that feeling of power that you gain and the adrenaline and the, or the, you know, quickness, or maybe it's got a boom and sound system and you love being able to just get in and drive and bump the system and, you know, go to town. Whatever it is, I would say like, it's not the thing itself, but it's that, it was what it does for you, right? It's how it makes you feel in a sense. And so that can give you clues, right? So um, again, for myself, my, my dream car, right? I've talked about this in a recent podcast. I drive my dream car. It's an older car. It's um, 12 years old. I bought it used. I bought it totaled, actually. Um, but it, when I saw it, I was like, gosh darn it, that's my car. That's the one I want, right? Why? Um, well, it's quiet. My last car wasn't one of those loud, like, wah, that you would hear outside the car, but inside the car, it was just a, a kind of a loud car. The engine, for whatever reason, was just like, there was this, like, ah, and, you know, I'd get used to it, kind of, but at the same time, is like, I'm a very sound-sensitive person, and it was just always present when I was driving, and I used to drive a lot, so it was very much, um, like, man, I want a car and, and the outside noise. I mean, yeah, people could hear me coming down the street probably, but not like the super loud, annoying, what I would consider annoying uh, loudness, but just like, oh, yeah, there's a car. Whereas now it's like I can be stealth. Like I like to be a little bit more quiet, more in the background, more observant than uh, the person trying to be loud and get attention. So for me, I like a quiet car, a car that's a little bit lower to the ground, such as my car, car that's uh, black in tinted windows and uh, maybe it's got a little bit of um, you know things to offset the like chrome you know I like the chrome the sparkle a little bit of sparkle but not too too crazy much right so all these things what do they say about me am I saying um, what am I saying I'm saying <laughs> I can maybe start to infer things about my personality about my true self that, that I see reflected in this car that I feel that this car somehow helps me uh tap into okay uh wardrobe right what how do your clothes make you feel do they make you feel awesome do you not care do you even notice the clothes you wear do you maybe take great go to great lengths to find the perfect set of clothes the perfect set of shoes this and that for me i know that i really like certain styles of shoes but it's gosh darn hard for me to find ones that fit, that have really wide feet. So I've bought a few pairs of shoes over the last, I, I hate buying clothes, period. But I have, because, you know, I had to, because I lost a lot of weight, and none of my clothes fit right, and it felt really goofy, and I looked really goofy. And I put up with that for a long time because I didn't want to buy new clothes. And for me, I'm the kind of person, if you could say, or I might say, in a, if I was trying to describe myself, I like to save money. I don't like to spend money on things that are going to, the, that I want, that I can't use for a long time. So I want to make sure that my weight was really going to stay here for a long time, consistent, right? And uh, now, have could I change that mindset? Yeah, sure, I could. I could, with practice, um, you know, change that mindset. But that's not something I'm too 
partial on right now. <sighs> self. Identifying the true self. What things do you notice in life? What things capture your attention? Why do they capture them? What is it about that thing that you feel drawn to? What is it about that thing that you have to have? Why? What's it going to do for you? Status. So there's a great marketer that I follow. His name is Russell Brunson. And uh, in one of his books, he talks about, he says the only reason people buy something is because of uh, status, how it's going to affect their status. It's either going to you know raise or lower or keep them in the same place. But that is one of the main reasons, if not, I think he might have even said like the only reason or like the biggest reason people buy something or don't. And so that's an interesting concept. And uh, it's kind of been also expressed in this other book I recently read, which I, I think I've shared on a recent podcast about um, conflict communication. And it talks about the monkey brain versus the human brain versus the lizard brain. And uh, all three of these brains we have and how they all have their own different ways of working. And uh, the monkey brain is the one that many of us um, operate uh, on a, a very large basis without being aware and the monkey brain is very in tune with status. Where do we fit in in this hierarchy or in this environment, in this, uh, um, yeah, an environment or like, you know, with uh, these other people? And knowing that status, knowing where we fit in is a very important part of the way we communicate, of the way we work together, of the way, you know, just so much of our society is built. Because And we do it, most of us, at the unconscious level, right? We're not even aware of these things that happen, but these things happen all the time. And, of course, the more aware of these things you become, the easier it becomes to make conscious changes if you need to or want to. And so I would say that tuning into these things with your human brain, you can now start to analyze them, self-analyze. Well, why do, why do I need that watch or that car? Or why do I want to be with that person? Or why do... Uh, why do I eat these foods and why do I do this or that? We can start to analyze it. We can start to say, well, is this in alignment with who I really want to be, with what I really want to have, with what I really want to do? And if not, then okay, what am I going to do different? But if we never stop to question it, then we're just going to keep going, right? Because it's autopilot. It's in the background. It's running a system. It's running a default program, a script. So part of finding our true selves is realizing we are not that script. We are not the ego that is on autopilot. Even though it seems like it's thinking, it is thinking. It's running on these patterns and habits and things we're unaware of largely. So if you want to find your true self, first you must recognize that you are not the ego. And the ego hates for you to realize this because it feels like it's dying. Because it is dying. If you stop giving it energy, if you stop feeding into it, then it starts to lose energy and it quickly dissipate. It doesn't quickly dissipate. Uh, it generally is pretty darn good at rebuilding itself, and and then we are sucked right into it, and we stop realizing that we are not the ego. But with practice, we can quiet the ego and be the true self, the deep, quiet self within. The watcher, the observer, the silent observer, as it is sometimes referred to. And if you are not familiar with your own internal silent observer, I'd encourage you to find it and tune into it. And you can 
observe the thoughts in your head and recognize that they are not your own thoughts, that they are not you. And just doing that might open you up to a whole new world of realization about yourself and what you really are, who you really are. And that, my friend, is how you start to discover your true self, in the silence. And I feel that, um, you know, what with all the social media and the music and the, you know, technology and all these things grabbing our attention, many of us are so bombarded with this stuff that we never make the time to turn inward and silence all that stuff and unplug to be able to connect to the true self. And so we get swept up in all the things that ego loves, all the attention, all the energy that it's getting from these morphine hits or uh, not morphine, <laughs> um, different chemicals, neuro whatever's in our brains when we get, uh, get a like on Facebook, right? When we get a new follower, when we do any of these things on social media, the ego loves it feels good. Oh, man, let's go see if I got any new likes on that post, right? Why? Because our, our, it's energy that our ego loves, and it, it can be very addicting. In fact, it's programmed and created to be addicting, right? Because guess what? The more time we spend on these platforms, the more money they make. That's their business model. So they are doing everything they can to ring all those bells, just like Pavlov's dog, to keep us coming back for more. And if we don't take the time to conscientiously break ourselves from that addiction, then it could just keep on going, right? And we'll never find our true selves because we're too buried into these other things looking outside of ourselves. And what if the secret was really just that? You got to turn inward and do it consistently enough that you can actually detach from the ego self and discover that you are not your ego. You are not your thoughts. You are not the voices in your head. You are not your habits. You can consciously choose to practice new habits. So then what is your true self? Well, friend, I can only show you the door. You must walk through it. So I will encourage you to do so inside, in the quiet depths of your mind. Make the time for yourself. If you're a true seeker, that's what you really want. Make the time for yourself. Go inward. Silence the mind. If you're not good at meditation, find some flow states. Find your flow, friend. Find your flow. What are the flow activities that get you into flow? Active meditation. You can do it. Have at it. And until next time, my friend, be flowing.